You are listening to Healing the City Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Eric and Susan Seepin talk about chronic pain and how you might deal with it. Well, welcome to Healing City Podcast. My name is Eric Seepin and I'm sitting across the way from my beautiful wife. And uh, we just finished up one podcast on the false beliefs in the table of decision, which we are, I just dubbed and really like a spiritual formation exercise. Um, but we're going to talk about something, we're going to take a, a right turn in this new episode and talk about just, uh, actually oddly enough, dealing with pain. And I will preface this that we're not obviously doctors. Um, no. When it comes to degrees sitting on the table, you have a bachelor's in... Um, psychology psychology and i have almost a bachelor's in psychology <laughs> so close so close and a ton of work with people but outside of that we do a lot of reading and um speaking to experts who we know personally and so we're not gonna we're not giving medical advice here but we think we've found some things that could be helpful to people and so we're going to talk about those before we talk about those we just thought I thought I'd ask you um, if you could do you, if you could give us some of the authors and books and maybe a little bit of what they talk about so that you know and then what we're going to do from that is say here's an interesting idea and an exercise that you could practice. Sure. So I've had different forms of chronic physical pain um, during my lifetime and. Um, have been able to address several different pieces of them and am still in process on some of them as well. Um, and the, the input that has been really helpful to me started with a book called Unlearn Your Pain by Dr. Howard Schubiner. And then uh, I'm currently reading Psychophysiologic Disorders by Clark Schubiner Abbas et al. It's written by a bunch of doctors. They each write a chapter on different things um, and people who are involved in chronic pain recovery. And then uh, one podcast that I really have enjoyed is called Like Mind, Like Body. And it's particularly useful because it's just interviews with all sorts of different kinds of practitioners and people who aren't practitioners who have gone through chronic pain and recovered. Uh, so it often provides new spaces to think about and new oh you know this person just wrote this book on this and Great. so more resources more resources and not that it's targeted on this subject but the book on forgiveness do you remember the name of that book um maybe not sorry i threw that nope. at you um but you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. right do you remember the author of that book nope all right well there's a book on <laughs> forgiveness that was written probably by, lots of them written by nope and, <laughs> and the we, title is nope. Nope. <laughs> so if you need to forgive, <laughs> nope and nope have some information for you. Um, anyway, I will, I'll probably put that book in as a link in the podcast too, because I think it actually kind of marries well with this um, process. Yes. But anyway, yes. so you struggle with chronic pain. And um, I thought first, so. I, Your microphone is super loud my in my headphones. It's just killing me. Well, you got to turn it down there, sweetie. I don't know how. That middle one right there. There you go. This one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I can't hear either of us. Okay. 
Better? Yes. Better? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that caused a lot of chronic pain. Yeah, my nervous system is a little <laughs> bit amped up. All right. You're ready to go. So let's just talk about chronic pain in the sense of um, some of the things that have been learned and that kind of stuff uh, when it comes to, uh, I don't know, journaling, how you would deal with this kind of pain. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe you could just begin there and talk about why writing and well, it even works and helps. And yeah. Right. So there's a growing body of research that has shown that a, a great deal of chronic pain specifically um, is not related to physical damage to the body. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times if you have, if you experience pain, we tend to think in a really medical model and we think there's something, there's damaged tissue somewhere and I need to go get it fixed and then I'll feel better. And that's often true. Uh, But it is also common for the body to experience pain and then hang on to it. So the body creates a neural pathway to communicate the pain to the brain from whatever part of the body. And then that pathway can be then used for other purposes. So even once the body is healed, the pain pathway can continue, which is what's called chronic pain. It's pain that just doesn't go away. But if it is no longer because of tissue damage, then it has become neuroplastic pain, which is basically pain that's being used for some other reason by the brain. And so um, it seems to be that there, uh, that emotional trauma and stress, either from early in our lives or current, uh, can activate this kind of pain and maintain it. And it's kind of the brain's way of communicating with us that something's wrong that we need to deal with. Uh, but the other, the other idea behind it is maybe that it is easier for the brain to produce pain than to deal with our emotional state, that we would rather feel physical pain at some level than, or our brains would rather feel physical pain than the emotional distress. And so it kind of reroutes into our bodies. Right. And it's not even necessary. People aren't choosing it, but they are experiencing it. Right. And, and a couple, maybe a couple categories, and then you can speak to these, um, that this happens in. So sometimes, uh, if you have an actual injury that is then also lined up with an emotional, a negative emotional experience, mm-hmm. then once the physical injury is healed, you may have reoccurring pain mm-hmm. in a place where there's nothing wrong with you. Like, so a lot of times people say, oh, my old injury. Yeah. Sometimes that's true, but a lot of times that's because you, your, your body is just reactivating pain that doesn't, that doesn't need to be there. Doesn't need to be there. So there's that one. Other ones, Sometimes when we have true chronic things like arthritis and other kinds of chronic Mm -hmm. um, painful things where autoimmune disorders, where our emotions pile on top of that, like our brain can extend that pain, make it worse. Yes. Possibly. Not always, but a lot of times it can. Right. Um, Is there any other categories where that might well, there's also uh, Schubiner also wrote a book called "Unlearn Your Pain," your unlearn your anxiety and depression, and I think that anxiety and some forms of anxiety and depression function the same way as physical pain. Okay, 
And sometimes, so a lot of that could, could manifest in like stomach aches and back aches and chronic. Um, sure, I, some of it, issues. some of it is not related to an actual pre-existing injury. Yes. Some of it is just muscle tension in different places that just won't go away, right. or um, yeah, or digestive thing. changes to the digestive system. Yeah. So, the, so there's a lot here. So, what all I, I in saying all that. Um, I just want to communicate like no matter where you are in pain, what we're about to talk about is helpful. I mean, it's not may not cure everything, but it is helpful. Yeah. And I think, you know, something that's often emphasized in this space is you don't want to miss the medical foundation for things, right? right? You don't want to skip past diagnosing stuff accurately with a doctor, make right. sure there's nothing there. But then on the other hand, you also don't want to miss the emotional underpinnings for pain that you're having when you've gone through every diagnostic test and they can't figure out what's wrong. There doesn't seem to be any medical reason for what's happening to you. You still have the pain. And so it's important to recognize that this whole field of uh, research and um, remedy exists. Right. The other thing I was thinking about while you were talking is that it seems like, and you can correct me, but this tends to be more present in women than it is in men. Is that true or is that I don't just think my so. own understanding of that? Okay. I don't think so. I think there are uh, some char- personality characteristics okay. that tend to be indicated more heavily. Okay. I think this actually happens in most people at some level. Okay. You know, like anybody will have... Uh, get nervous before a presentation and get a stomach ache or right. um, be getting ready for a job interview and get a headache. Right. So it's something that we deal with. Those aren't chronic pain examples, but they're examples of physical manis- manifestations of our emotional stress, right? And uh, it grows from that point. So it can be um, really minor and everybody has that experience sometimes or it can take over your whole life right but also the people who are perfectionistic or really good at what they do or um fastidious about taking care of other people um those are the kinds of personality traits that tend to uh, develop these things so um like the nicer you are, the more likely you are to get it. <laughs> and I think that's because there's kind of a practice of um, of just shoving stuff down right. if you're going to take care of other people. And, um, and if you're not really good at speaking up for yourself, then, uh, you know, there's just lots of places where you might shove your emotions uh, down and, They'll get rerouted into your body eventually. So, yes. And I think, you know, uh, in our society or maybe genetically, I don't know, that women probably tend to be in that camp a little bit more. Yes. um, That there's more cultural training for women to be agreeable and not talk back and stuff like that, uh, which is less true now than it has been previously. Right. But I think that would be a reason that more women would deal with this, but I think it's well represented in the male population. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so. One of the things that, in kind of, because you've been going on this journey more than I have in the sense, 
that this is stuff you really struggle with. Yeah. But one of the things that struck me in conversation with you and has really helped me think through some of my own stuff is that anytime you feel physical pain, I mean, yes, always you should think about a doctor and what needs to be. Yeah. But, but some of those, we always naturally go to a physical problem. Mm-hmm. So like if my back hurts or starts spasming, I say, oh, my back slipped out. Yeah. Or like. I need a new bed. I need a new bed. Instead of saying maybe something emotional is going on that I'm not thinking about, that this is actually an emotional reminder to be like, I need to think through what's happening. And maybe there's some things I'm not dealing with. Right. Maybe there's some anxieties and stuff. And it's been super helpful for me in, yeah. in dealing with things in my own life is using my body as an indicator that things might not be the way they should be. Yeah. And I think also the danger of of believing that it's always a medical issue is that scary. And so we start we start heading into a fear loop of, well, maybe it's this. Well, maybe it's that. Well, maybe I have cancer. Maybe it's, you know, the worst case scenario. I right. might be dying. And if we live in that space, that's more stress. And right. so there's this cycle of fear generating more physical pain right. that happens in that loop. Um, if that's the only option we have for curing the pain. Right. And so if there's another space of, well, this could be an emotional thing that's happening, um, then it creates another route of processing, and it's something we can actually do something about. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the exercise. All right. Because I love this exercise. And in fact, I've done it one or two times now since you and I talked about it when we went on our little getaway, mm-hmm. was it three weeks ago? Sometime. Wow, it feels much three or <laughs> farther four weeks away. Maybe it was four weeks ago. You sure it wasn't eight months ago? No, it wasn't eight months ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I need to journal about that. Um, but uh, you, so, so just start from the beginning and talk about how you might deal with some of this in a journaling manner. Yes. So, yeah. and we've talked about some other, some possibilities with journaling before that I think are really effective for mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Um, but this has some particulars in it that I think. Yeah. Cool. But I would also refer people to the uh, Trinitarian prayer journaling exercise that we've podcasted yes. about. And I, I think the 25 minute jog is probably what the other one is yes. called. Um. Both are really helpful because they pull up the emotional component and then a way to reframe it rationally so that there's an emotional and a uh, um, like a thought and emotion coming together. Right. Um, yeah. So the first thing to do actually is make some lists. Right. Okay. So we're going to make lists. So right. Th- let's talk about these lists that we're going to make. Yeah. So the the things that tend to cause this kind of neuroplastic pain are childhood stressors, current stressors, and personality traits, like the ones I was talking about. So previously. when you say stressors, can you elaborate a little bit? Yeah. So um, the first step would be to make a list of stressful experiences from childhood. And this could be anything from uh, a really horrible trauma that happened or all of the horrible traumas that happened uh, to just altercations that you had with somebody, a disagreement, a time where you felt small around your siblings. I wanted my dad to show up to a basketball game and he didn't. Yeah. Or it could be moving 
or, uh, you know, somebody dying, somebody losing their job. It can be any range of, it. was it stressful? Divorce. Write it down. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can start with three things on your list in each of these columns, and, or you could have 25 things. I find it a little bit less stressful to have a shorter list. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be... One of the things on your immediate stressor list will be your stress list. <laughs> is Wow, there's a lot of stuff here. Yeah. So childhood stressors is the first list. The, um, the next list would be current stressors. What is currently stressful to you? What's hard in your life? And again, it could be there's traumatic stuff happening uh, that I don't know how to get out of. Or it could be, well, you know, I'm not getting along with this person at work. It could be anything. Right. So current stressors. And then the final list is personality uh, characteristics. And the personality characteristics you want to write down are basically the ones that uh, are hard on you, but not on other people. Other people's? personality characteristics? No, your own. So your own personality characteristics. List of traits. Like, that are stressful to you. <laughs> yes. So mine are. How you stress yourself out. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Awesome. And uh, and it's not easy to stop stressing yourself out because it's your personality, <laughs> right? So yours are what? Uh, mine include hypervigilance, uh, perfectionism, uh, having to be right all the time. They don't even have to be specific words because we don't have great words for these personality traits. And often the personality traits that we're talking about look good in society and they make you do well at work and they make you good with people and whatnot. And so um, they're often referred to in positive terms, but they're actually really hard on, um, on you psychologically. Like they're hard on the person who bears them. So perfectionism might make you a great worker, but it's very stressful to live into every minute of every day. So, uh, and having to get it, like, I have to get it right all the time. That's a really hard thing to live with. It's not a good personality trait. Mm, So, um, yeah, and so, and you're, you're not trying to change these things. You're not necessarily trying to change any of the stressors on your current list. You're not necessarily trying to change your personality, but uh, you put them on the list. So you make the list. And yeah. would you do that? That's like maybe the first part of the exercise. Could you stop there or do you need to continue to journal somehow? Okay. So then the journaling, uh, the the next kind of journaling is just basically a free form journaling that, um, that you can do, f- you know, if, if you're having... Uh, some kind of consistent unexplained pain, then it's recommended that you do it on a daily basis. Okay. Um, so am I going to, can I choose, am I going to journal free form about these particular stress? Categories? Yeah. So like you, you make the list and then you hang on to the list for a while. You can burn it eventually. Um, but it's what you're picking topics from okay. to journal about. So basically the process of journaling about stuff that's hard to journal about, that's painful and you don't want to think about it is really effective at um, untangling these pain pathways and getting rid of physical pain. So um, so I would, you know, the next day pick one thing and, um, you know, s- start writing. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you want to write uh, through all of the 
presenting stuff, like the story, the way you've told it before, and then you want to start looking for other things in it. And so you want to recognize places where you haven't felt angry about it before, uh, where you, you know, you felt hurt or scared, but really you, you could have been angry that that happened, that somebody treated you that way and you didn't feel angry at the time. And that anger is what has been, is causing your problems now because the anger is still there, but you have not acknowledged it. And so, um, and just starting to find all of the negative emotions that are underneath uh, whatever that item is. And, and then whatever weird, irrational things you believe about it. So a lot of times this sort of writing is just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense while it's happening. Like you write it down and you're like, ah, it wasn't really that. But those are the things you need to follow um, are... What do I really, what do I believe about this that's really irrational? What did my kid self think about this? Um, and you're on, it's kind of an exploratory process. Like you're trying to just write and write and write and see what emerges from it. And a lot of times, and and do it for a, a set amount of time. I, I think I've heard anything from 20 minutes to an hour a day recommended. I think at least 20 minutes is good because if you stop at 10, then you've probably stopped before you've really explored every possibility. If you keep writing to the 20 minute mark, then you've gotten past all the normal obvious stuff and you've had enough time to be like, well, maybe this is there. Huh? I'm going to write about that for a while. Maybe this other thing is there. I'll write about that for a while. And then things start connecting in your mind of like, oh, well, I didn't realize I had thought this or yeah, stuff emerges that you then realize. And I think even after you've stopped writing, the brain is still working because part of the, the theory on this is that it's your unconscious mind or your subconscious mind that is holding all of this stress and the, um, the really awful emotional pieces and um, is processing it. And so as you write out those kinds of things, those parts of your brain are reconsolidating the data. Yeah. So what what if I said, I just, it's really hard for me to write. I, mm-hmm. I can't do it. Yeah. Is there is there other ways that are as just as beneficial, or are the ways of journaling that are just as beneficial? So um, the the other piece of this is you don't need to keep this, and this is like you might say stuff in this about other people, or you might write to other people. And, and I think that's a good point. When you say free writing, yeah, you're talking about taking off what you know, sort of the the. Uh, what you, the regulator cap yeah. on saying the right thing or totally. or not being kind to someone. You're you're asking for full on free writing about. Yeah, we're looking to puke on this paper, right? And you don't want to give this to anybody. No. Like this, this can have all of the false beliefs spewed all over the place. You, you're gonna burn this. You're gonna burn it. Yeah, you want to take this piece of paper or the whole journal when you finished it and chuck it in the garbage, and you don't want anybody else to find it. It's just a release valve, and um, 
so one of the possibilities is that you type it um, and on your computer, you delete it, and that's it. Like it goes away as soon as you write it is the goal. Right. And so one of the things you, I remember you telling me because in reading Dr. Uh, Kirk Thompson, who's a psychiatrist, he talks about how your brain, there's something that happens on your brain, in your brain, when you write. Mm-hmm. That it changes reality. Mm-hmm. So this is part of what's happening is you're changing reality as you write. You're rethinking through things. But so what you're saying, and I, I remember you saying because there was some other person who's done done this, like that typing it yeah. actually has the same effect. Yes. So if you can't write handwrite, typing right. would work just as well. Yes. And uh, Nicole Sachs is one of the people who talks about this. Um, There are actually a lot of different people who are doing experiments with journaling and different things like that, um, finding similar results. But she she talks about, uh, well, you know, if you can't write longhand, type it, that's fine. The goal, though, is when you write or type, you're still moving slower than your brain. So just sitting around thinking about these things isn't going to help. Because your brain's going to be running around right. in too many directions too fast. So you need to slow down your brain process and force it to go in some single pattern. Even if the single pattern is a crazy zigzag, you're going to follow that one line all the way through this. And so uh, the other thing that she suggests is talking in a very slow, methodical manner. So talking at walking speed. Like you're going to walk slowly. You're going to talk it out slowly. Um, if you can't physically write. And that would need to be in a private place. Right. Because you don't want other people, you know, you need to have the safety of knowing that you're not going to destroy the people around you while you're talking stuff out or be overheard. Yeah. Yeah. So so another thing that people say is, well, I just don't like journaling. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think I would say is, this is not journaling. I I don't like the fact that we use the word journaling, partly because... It journaling is a lot of times thought of as I'm recording the things I'm doing for the day and saying and saying a little bit about how I thought about them. Yeah. Um, these are exercises which involve writing, which are inside of a booklet. But and so it's a journal, but it's not a, what we would normally think of. Or as they're a on journal. napkins or, or a piece of paper. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's. So, like, it, it is a writing, again, to go back to what we said, if people haven't listened to it yet, the spiritual, uh, the hot seat model, it is another spiritual formation exercise. Yes. And I think, actually, to address that, I uh, have heard other uh, research findings that actually people who journal the least get the most benefit from this, right? So, if you aren't used to expressing your emotions on paper, then this is the thing for you. It's going to work wonders. But also... I like that. That's great. <laughs> the The benefit of writing about difficult emotional stuff um, carries on far past the writing. And so they've done um, experiments where they'd have college students come in and uh, write for half an hour and then leave and then they track them for the next six months, and their stress levels are significantly less. So this isn't even something that you have to do every day. It will help you, and it will help you if you do it for 20 minutes 
a year and the the effects are far reaching but it's not fun to do it's not like you're writing about your favorite memories or that kind of thing right. you're taking the um the hard stuff in your life right. and um and you're just trying to up you know unearth it right and i think when i when we think about chronic pain and all the things that so many people suffer from chronic pain. What you do when you have chronic pain is that you take some kind of pain reliever. It doesn't relieve the pain. It yeah. relieves a little bit of the pain. What this is is similar to that in the sense that it helps you deal with your pain, mm-hmm. but it also helps you deal with your relationships and with your childhood and helps you be a more emotionally healthy person, yeah. which reduces some of the pain. Mm-hmm. And, and that's good. Because you don't have to put a chemical in your body to make it happen. Right. And that's really, really good because taking a pill or doing some kind of, you know, chemical therapy doesn't help you relationally at all. Right. Where this process actually gives you a lot of benefits. Yes. Um, And one of the things I was, as I was thinking while you were talking and that I would put forward to the journaling process is that before you make the list, Mm -hmm. I would choose the particular passage of scripture that is really important to you mm-hmm. and that has been like a solid thing. Maybe it's just a verse. Maybe it's a chapter or something. Read that. Mm-hmm. Ask God to be present in what you're about to do. Then make your lists. Then mm-hmm. do your, your journaling. So always bring Jesus as the head over what you're about to do. Yeah. Um, because then you, are, I think, have the safety of doing this at the foot of the cross with Jesus and not putting yourself in a vulnerable space with the enemy. Right. And a lot of times I will end the time by saying, wow, Jesus, this is what's in my heart. There it is. So even as a way of repentance. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's stuff that uh, is really hard on other people or the anger I've been storing up towards somebody. It's ugly stuff sometimes. And, to be able to look at it with Jesus and say, yep, that's in my heart, and I confess it, and uh, ask for forgiveness from Jesus, and forgive myself. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, yep, moving on. Right. And I think, you know, you and I in particular believe so strongly in, in the fact that Jesus is the great physician, that he is the wounded healer. Yeah. The ultimate wounded healer who has taken our our sin and our our woundedness and our brokenness on himself and he deeply loves us and wants us to step into these things. Mm-hmm. And this is a mechanism that both inside and outside of the church has been um helpful. Yeah. And it's but it's new mm-hmm. it, in some ways in it in the in the research backing it up. Yeah. And there's a lot of the research, and it's and people are studying this pretty. It's pretty crazy. Pretty um, like there's that right now. This is a lot of the center of pain relief because of the opiate addiction. Mm-hmm. Partly they're headed this way, mm-hmm. and partly because of we begin to do so much more work on trauma. Yeah. In our world, and so and realizing how trauma impacts us holistically. So, I'm I'm super excited about people trying this out mm-hmm. um, and it, and helping. And I know that some people. When they listen to this, they're going to be skeptical and think this is this is crazy. When I read some of the research and when I looked at it, and you know, I was skeptical, but I've seen the results in your life, and I've also just 
seeing the increase in academic, like it feels like there's a lot more good academic studies saying, no, this is really important and really works. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. I would say go read some of these books. Um, I would not start with unlearn your pain unless you really want to like kind of get get going at a, a year long process of, of unlearn your pain is a full workbook. Yes, for this process. And it, the beautiful thing about it is this is that Dr. Schubiner pulled together so much research yes. from every facet. So he covers, you know, the more research I do, the more I'm like, oh, Schubiner said that in this book he wrote. I don't know. 15 years ago, yeah, uh, where he's pulling together the journaling components, some of the uh, therapy components, forgiveness, right. uh, forgiving yourself, forgiving other people, moving into physical activity, moving into life-giving experiences, self-compassion. There's just so much stuff that he unpacks in this yes. book. But yeah, it is definitely a workbook. Yeah. It's definitely a workbook. And I think like if you want somebody to vouch for Dr. Schubner and you're inside the village, Dr. Crawford interned with him and David, so David Crawford. Mm-hmm. I forgot we have two Dr. Crawfords, we dad do. and son. Um, David Crawford can vouch for him and has been impacted by him. Yeah, I would say the Like Mind, Like Body podcast would be a good yes, place to start that, just because you can hear people's stories and... Yeah then resources start coming out of interviews yeah. with authors and researchers and yeah, all definitely. that stuff. So so cool. Well, thank you for doing this podcast, Sue. I love hanging out with you. Yeah. This is fun. All right, guys. We will see you next time we're doing a podcast. That was really long, I think. You've been listening to Healing the City podcast with Eric Steepen. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.